Welcome to Mastering Executive Leadership, where you get real-time insights and practical advice from North America's top executive coaching strategist, Audra Christie. Audra's approach is simple. Deliver the unvarnished truth, one leader at a time. That means you're getting a straightforward, honest approach to evolving into the leader or executive you've always aspired to be. Join us every week as Audra interviews some of the most successful leaders in the world who share their leadership journey, lessons learned, and best practices for success. Whether new to the C-suite, a seasoned executive, or an emerging leader, you'll find practical advice in every episode. If you're ready to step into a new level of leadership, it's time to dive in. Let's get started. Well, welcome back to a very special episode. Today, I have the privilege of sitting down with someone who holds a special place in my heart and has been extremely instrumental in shaping my leadership journey and character as a human being. So get ready for an extraordinary conversation with Tim Yatsko, a remarkable individual whose authenticity and unwavering commitment to servant leadership has transformed countless lives. Tim, it's an absolute honor to have you here today. And thanks for saying yes, because I know you don't do this, but I feel pretty special. So Tim, I have to tell the audience a couple of things about you. Number one, you have given me like the biggest leg up from an HR perspective by promoting me into my first international job. And secondly, you were more than just a boss. You were the mentor. You were the counselor. You were uh, pastoral at times. <laughs> you told me to knock it off many a times and you never gave up on me. And you just gave me so much more than just learning how to be a leader. So everything that I teach today is because of you. So before we dive in, Tim, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about you? Well, thanks, Audra. Uh, I, I first have to say that um, I think you learned because you were coachable and not everybody is. So um, that's the first thing you have to figure out as a leader and, and adjust that. But um, I have um, enjoyed a 26-year career with Walmart. I started as a management trainee in their truck fleet, and I worked my way around the company, uh, ended up uh, being a vice president of their direct import operations, then ended up in uh, transportation where I was a senior vice president of transportation for Walmart, uh, a senior vice president at Sam's Club as their CAO, and then um, ended my career as the executive vice president of global sourcing for Walmart, uh, where I met you. And uh, it was a uh, a great career filled with uh, lots of uh, learning and and lots of doing. And uh, um, I'll never forget the lessons I learned from the leaders I worked for because they shaped me as a, a servant leader there at Walmart. Well, yes, definitely. Um, but not only was I coachable, I think you had really embodied the culture of the organization. And you just redefine what it meant to be a servant leader. And just in my coaching practice and, you know, the people that I coach on a daily basis, leadership is still in a state of emergency. Everybody wants it. And I'll never forget the one quote you, you share with me. Aspirations should not exceed capabilities. 
And I think that still rings true today. And when you said that, I was like, what is he talking about? Like, what does that mean? Like, that could be insulting to some folks. But again, you have these huge aspirations, but no one's really tracking the leadership capabilities. And then you end up with people who are overpromoted. So when you just think back over your career, what's been the defining moment for you that you realized that you were designed to be a leader? You know, I, I, I'm not sure if I ever got to that point in my career um, because I kept trying to learn more and and be better at what I was doing. Uh, uh, I think back to my first job at Walmart and I, I came to Walmart from the military. So um, out of the military was pretty much you tell people what to do and they do it. And if they don't, um, they're in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But uh, but you're not as a leader in the military because you're um, you have the rank and you can tell people what to do. And I think I think what I learned coming into the the, the corporate environment at Walmart was that I don't know anything, and I have no right to tell anybody what to do until I know something, um, or at least I'm willing to learn something. And I had a mentor uh, my first year at Walmart uh, coming in as a, a newbie. And uh, they sent me to the, the Walmart store and they they actually asked me to be a people greeter. And uh, I'd never done that before. Um, and as a people greeter, you, you quickly understand that you know nothing. And the first person that walks in the door and says, can you help me find this? Well, no, I don't even know where it is in the store myself. So I got to go find it and and learn. Uh, where it is so I can tell the next customer um, where that is. Or someone comes in and complains to you about something. Well, I didn't know what they were talking about. And I spent the whole day uh, frustrated that I I didn't even qualify to be a a good people greeter uh, at the time. And I needed to learn the store. I needed to learn where everything was. I needed to learn... um, how many customer issues there were in the store and how to how to answer the customers uh, let alone be friendly and uh, greet people at the at the front of the store so it was a when i came back to my mentor that day and keep in mind i was in transportation so i'm thinking the whole time what am i doing in the store well the, the lesson you learn is um, that age-old question you ask customers how can i help you um, as soon as you ask it they're going to tell you and you better have a piece of paper to write down the list of what they, they want because you're not going to remember it and you're not going to know the answers. Uh, but you walk away with a, with, a, with a list of things that you have to learn about. And then you go learn them, you, you research, you come back, you answer the customer. And gee, what happens is you learn yourself and you become competent and you become more and more competent as you ask more and more people that question, how can I help you? Um, many leaders today are afraid to ask that question. They, they know if they ask it, they're going to get it. They're going to get a list. They don't want a list. They're too busy. They don't want to have to run it down. So they don't. And, and I call that weak leadership. Um, you know, I were, I worked in a company where Sam Walton founded it and that's how he led. He, he had a yellow notepad. He walked around. He asked people, how can I help you? He wrote it all down. And he and his staff and, and the leadership went and researched, did the work, learned, and came back with answers. The answer is not always yes to the associate or to the customer. 
uh, the employee, but you've come back and you've given them an answer and you've gained credibility and you, you've gained integrity in their eyes. Um, but even more so, you've learned something yourself. And, and that's what I've encouraged leaders over the years when I was at Walmart is just ask your associates, your employees, how can I help you make a list, figure out how to answer that appropriately. You'll learn. They'll feel appreciated. They'll feel involved. And gee, you might just come up with a great idea to improve your company. Um, but too many leaders are, are weak and won't even ask that question to people that work for them. And, and they end up missing so much in terms of fulfillment themselves, development themselves, and frankly, giving the people a great environment to work in. Don't assume they know. So a lot of people think because you are a vice president, a senior vice president, executive vice president, and or in the C-suite, that you should know how to be a good leader, you should know how to give feedback, and it's just not true. So can you just talk a little bit about how you discovered this don't assume they know, and maybe give the listeners some advice on how to tackle that when they run into it? I discovered that uh, about midway through my career, um, because I did assume that people above me were smarter than me, and they understood what was going on. So when they gave a direction, um, they had already done what I'd done, which is ask people, you know, how can I help you? And they'd learned. Um, but as I, as I moved to the organization, I realized sometimes executives have no clue at all. And the reason they have no clue at all is because no one's telling them. People are afraid to, to say, Hey, CEO, this is completely off base. And let me tell you why. I give the example of, um, and this is more of a disciplinary example, but there was a senior vice president. I was a director. There was a senior vice president that was just a jerk. And, but he had this reputation in the company for being this awesome legend and merchandising, let's say. Um, but he treated people like dirt. He had low integrity. Um, and he was wrecking that part of the organization. And, and I just got to the point where I, I said, I'm going to go talk to the CEO and see if he even knows about this. And, and just went in and talked, talked to him and let him know that, you know, this guy's lying. This guy's, um, this guy's embarrassing the company in front of suppliers and lots of specifics that I had, uh, in my dealings with him. And, uh, and, and lo and behold, the guy retired that week after I had that discussion with the CEO. Wow. And the CEO, called me back to his office a couple of weeks later. And he said, Tim, we had no idea he was acting like that. And when we heard about that, we asked other individuals who quickly confirmed it. And everybody was assuming that the CEO and everybody knew about it, but they didn't. And, and so I think encouraging people to, to speak up is, is incredibly important for a leader. Now, everybody talks about an open door, but not many leaders know how to open it and and uh the way you open it is to invite that feedback from people in a way that's not intimidating or condescending but genuinely you want to know what's going on in my organization i've given the the children's book the emperor's new clothes to three of the four ceos i've worked for at walmart just as a reminder <laughs> You better read this uh, because the people around you aren't going to tell you you're naked. That's right. 
So that's a good book for executives, I think, to pull out and read if you haven't have never read that as a child. But so many times um, people let the executive go down a bad trail, assuming that, well, somebody else will tell them or maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, so I'm not going to tell them. And I think it's important to for the CEO to open the door to people to to tell them to have, you know be an be an advocate for the company, not just him. There's a lot of talk in leadership about loyalty. Uh, I've heard leaders say that the most important thing in the people that report to them is loyalty, and I think I think that can be dangerous. I think loyalty to people can be very dangerous. So if that's your if that's your priority for your staff is that they be loyal to you, you might want to back up and, and ask the question, well, what are they actually going to be loyal to? Anything I do, anything I say. And at Walmart, you were always directed and encouraged to be loyal to the beliefs of the company, not people. Um, I watched executives at Walmart who built loyalty to themselves, who completely were demolished and spit out by the company. Uh, because no one, no one told the boss you're wrong. No one told the boss that might not be a good strategy. Uh, so they just kept on going. And sometimes it, it, it would, it would fall on, on the integrity side too, where someone would do something of low integrity and leadership. Nobody'd say anything. And then it ended up snowballing into something, something that caused a lot of people to leave the company. So, so I always encourage people, you know, just decide what your values and culture is going to be and, and ask your people to be loyal to that. That way, when they come to you and say, hey, we're off here, they can refer to the culture and they re- refer to the values and say, we're not, we're just not respecting those in this decision that we need to back up here. Yeah, you said a lot um, <laughs> in, in the past couple of minutes and so many nuggets here, but one of the things I wanted to highlight is when I started uh, reporting to you, not only did you open the door, but you created a safe environment for me to be authentically me. And I had zero fear. Um, I felt like I could share anything with you. I could talk about my likes or my dislikes. And it was probably, or not probably, but the best relationship I've ever had with a leader. And it made it easy for you to give me feedback. Now, I didn't always like your feedback, but I think we created a system that, you know, you would send me an email with the feedback. I would react, him and haw, and then I would come in the next day and say, okay, got it. Here's what I'm going to do. Can you give our listeners a little advice on how to really receive feedback and really what it's intended to do? I think feedback, and, and I guess I call it developing people, um, is what feedback is for. And I learned, I learned the hard way what that was from a, a boss who basically brought me into um, threaten to fire me. I guess is what it was. We had a we had a we had a, a three step coaching process at Walmart, and 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 he skipped the first two and went right to the third, and uh, essentially. Essentially, at that time, there was some. Uh, There's a lot of change going on in the company. Uh, the stock market had, or the stock for the company had dropped significantly. Um, associates in the company had um, lost 
uh, money in their profit sharing. So there was a lot of, a lot of concern, a lot of, um, I guess complaining to the top of the company on what are we doing? What's going on? And, um, and I had set out as a mid range leader in, in my organization at the time to develop a set of initiatives that would help the company get better. So we designed 10 or 12 of them and we were attacking. Um, and our associates were calling above me saying, you know, this guy's an idiot. You don't know what he's doing. Uh, the door was clearly open at, at Walmart at the time. And I got called in and, and basically told, look, you are running too fast and, and you are not keeping your people with you. And we don't need that here at Walmart. And, uh, essentially, essentially the, the leader followed up with, you know, you're, you're a fairly competent guy. You're very aggressive. You're very, you're sharp at your job. You understand the business real well, but you're running ahead of your people. And you need to, you know, he, he, I specifically remember him saying this two steps forward, one step back is still progress. Step back, get your people with you and then move forward and help our company. So I was doing the right things. I was trying to improve the company and I had all the initiatives going, but I left my people behind and they let my bosses and bosses, boss and his boss and her boss know. And, and, uh, but that feedback was, was straight to the point. Um, look, you got to change. <laughs> you got, you, you got to change your way. He gave me specific guidance on how to do that. Um, go to your associates, ask them about your initiatives, ask them if they have any alternative initiatives, get your set right with your associates and move forward. And at the time I was leaving, uh, probably 10,000 people. So it was a lot of meetings and a lot of people that I had to talk to. Uh, to get deep into that part of the organization to understand what they believed in and what they agreed with. And then we moved forward and, and we were very successful at it. But it was specific guidance that, you know, here's what you got to do. Here's the consequences if you don't. And, uh, and, and, and then, and then turned it into a positive by saying, Hey, we like, we like what you're doing. You just have to, you know, stop and back up and get your people with you. Um, but so much of, so much of feedback is that kind of clarity. Um, the other form of, of, of feedback that I think is important is the evaluation process, the development of people process. And that's always keeping your back in, back of your mind. How am I compensating for this leader? How, how am I, you know, is this leader? And, and at the time, my boss was compensating for me, right? Because I wasn't communicating well enough. I wasn't. I wasn't getting my people with me. So he was having to spend a lot of time on the phone talking to people, calming them down, explain what's going on. He was compensating for me. He didn't have time for that. And that's why I was in that, in that room. Um, but if you look at that from an organizational standpoint, if, if all the leaders in the organization don't have to compensate for their people, uh, the power and productivity of that organization goes sky high. And that, teaching, if you will, from the people that hammered me pretty good, um, was who's compensating for you and who has to clean up after you, who has to, who has to maybe keep you out of this or that because you're not good enough yet at this or that. Maybe it's a presentation to, to, a uh, a board or it's a, uh, uh, maybe it's a, a discussion with associates. 
uh, where your boss just doesn't trust you to handle that right and knows that he or she's going to have to come in and clean up after you. So how is how are people compensating for me? And then translate that into how am, how are you compensating for the people that work for you? Um, and you can begin to think about how how to develop people so that they don't need compensating. You know, I don't need to compensate for Audra or, or Audra doesn't need to compensate for me. And that whole that whole context of of compensating became the focus of development and teaching that to leaders like like yourself and others in the organization. So you understand, okay, Tim's compensating for me. Right. Yeah, I've even heard I remember you even telling me that. <laughs> but but don't, you know, it, it you get on the same page with people by explaining that if you want to develop people, find out where you're compensating for them. Um, and it might be in their existing job or when they ask you, how do I get promoted? Well, I'm still compensating for you here and here and here. And those things, if you conquer them from a skill set standpoint, that'll get you to the next job. Um, so, so that whole idea of compensating, if you will, but feedback, feedback's a tough thing. And, um, but I see it as, as a part of your integrity. And if you, if you want to, be of high integrity, you have to deliver frank, open, honest communication to people uh, so they can get better and and they can improve on that compensation level. Well, you're being very nice about it because when you were giving me feedback, it always started with, knock it off. <laughs> what are you doing? At what point did you think that was a good idea? And I remember from the overcompensating, I thought I was a pretty good writer. And you clearly said, no, you're not going to communicate to these associates around the world because you don't have anything to say. So I will do it and you would learn from me. So I would write it and I thought it was pretty good. And you would send it back, my version, your version. And it was always like a gut punch because I would have like 10 paragraphs and you would come back with like three sentences. So behind the scenes, I'm like, you know, another way of giving feedback. But I think what you said is really important because you can evaluate people on how long it takes to overcompensate for them. So for me, you gave me a year and you said at some point it'll be less and less and then your performance would improve. So thank you for sharing that with the leaders, I'm sure, or the listeners. I'm sure they um, will appreciate that. Um, when you think about attributes that leaders need to possess, what top three come to mind? You know, I always I always start start with safety. I'm an I'm an old uh, loss prevention. <laughs> it's asset protection today, not loss prevention. <laughs> yeah, so I always start with safety um, before I get into obviously integrity and humility and those kind of things. And I I start with safety because there's nothing we do unless you're in the military. There's really nothing we do out in, in the corporate world that's worth someone getting hurt over. Or getting killed, or and uh, unfortunately, those things happen out in the out in the corporate world, and and I think if people started there with safety and care for their people, um, they would be sure that when they gave direction <laughs> to get something done and get something done fast, they would always caveat that with safely, do that safely because because employees will bend over backwards and and you know, leap over tall buildings for you if you ask him to do do things. And you really have to remember that safety aspect. I know it's not something that naturally comes to mind, but 
I'd start with safety before I'd even talk about servant leadership and the attributes of, of leadership. But second, secondary, it's, it's integrity. Uh, I think integrity flows through the whole business. Integrity is not just uh, tell the truth and, and uh, uh, you know, be authentic to people. I think, I think it flows through, through all aspects of the business. Customer service, um, you have to have integrity in customer service. Uh, you have to be honest with your customers, good and bad. Um, your employees, your associates, you have to be honest with them, straightforward with them. Um, you, and, and the way you're honest and straightforward is you already know what questions are on their mind. So answer them. Um, you know, how many, how many leaders stand up in front of a group of people and give them a, uh, you know, a, a 20 minute talk that says nothing? Um, but it sounds real good, you know, um, know what their issues are and talk to that issue. That's integrity. Um, and believe me, uh, associates will respond to that. Employees will respond to that. Um, they want to, they want to know that you know what's on their mind and, and they want to hear you answer those questions, especially, especially at an executive level, uh, because they're already saying, well, he probably doesn't know what my problems are, what I have to deal with. And of course that takes a lot of homework. Um, you have to do your homework. You have to be out there understanding the issues, but talk to the issues. Um, I had a CEO at Walmart who was just fantastic at that. Lee Scott was his name and Lee knew what the people were thinking about. And that's what he talked about on stage or in a room. Um, he didn't waste time with um, just fluff, what I call fluff. He, he talked about the issues that the employees and the associates wanted to talk about. Sam Walton taught Lee and Sam did a great job at that as well. So integrity flows into the, into the leadership aspect that way. I think it also, I think it also follows into the striving for excellence um, mode as well. I think you, you have to have integrity in what you're trying to do to improve the business. Um, you know, I often say gut feel earns you the right to test something. It doesn't earn the right to roll something out. And and uh, I've seen more disasters and more waste of time and money uh, from executives who got a bright idea and rolled it out in the organization without testing first. Um, and it failed miserably. And sometimes it takes a long time to roll something like that back because people don't want to admit failure. Uh, but if they just took that 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 other step of testing uh, before they rolled, um, they would have learned a lot and they would have understood if it was right or not. So I think integrity fits into the strive for excellence piece as well. I think the other thing about about you know improving your organization, there's a difference between speed and fast. You can go a hundred miles an hour in a circle. Um, and never get to where you want to go, or you can zigzag around and make mistakes. And but you're going 100 miles an hour, so that looks good, right? But you don't get anything done. And whereas if you spent the time to map it out, do your testing, test your hypotheses, and then move forward, you could go at 75 miles per hour, and you'll get there a lot faster. Um, so there's a difference between speed. And, and fast when it comes to improving your business. And that's part, I think that's part of the integrity of the business as well. The other thing you talked about uh, in, in terms of new executives, 
Uh, I think it's important to understand that that when you come into an organization, uh, it's not your car. <laughs> it's somebody else's car. Uh, so respect the car, drive it well, and respect it as you try to improve it. Um, and, and many times, I think people just come in and wreck the car, and then they try to buy a new one. Um, it's much more expensive. It alienates so many people in the process. Um, and, and I encourage, I encourage new leaders. Don't, don't go into an organization like that. Respect the car, drive it well, and then begin to improve it as you get to know, uh, the other drivers and the other associates around it. The, uh, so integrity flows through, through so many things. I, I, I think of, uh, even developing others, make sure you're telling the truth, make sure you're being open and honest and, and frank and, and have a platform for understanding with people as you're developing them. Um, how do you get promoted? Well, how many times do you get asked that question? How do I get promoted? And the, and the general answer is, well, you got to take these classes. You got to have a couple more jobs. You got to do, you got to, you know, this check off the list. Well, they go out and do that and they come back. How do I get promoted? And you're stuck uh, because you've you've not had integrity in that process of development. The, the development of people is, as I mentioned before, is eliminating the compensation that you're doing for them. If you want to be promoted, here are the areas that you have to work on. Communications, here's where I compensate for you. Here's where I don't even let you communicate. And here's why. Um, you know, maybe it's it's reporting or presentations or it's um, and in some cases, it's just leading larger groups, um, or handling annoying employees. You know, I got to do that for you because you don't do that well. Um, it's, it's all those things that you can pick out on people and ask them to work harder to fix and, and explain to them how they can fix them. But if you're just general, you got to take these classes and you got to take the, you're not, you're not having integrity in the discussions in terms of development. I think the the other area of, of of excellence that's talked a lot about out there in the corporate world today is sustainability too, uh, the whole environmental sustainability thing, and and we can go in circles on that. Um, I think a lot in our organizations, and all I'd encourage you there from an integrity standpoint is just ask yourself, you know, when you were a kid, did your mom ever tell you to shut the refrigerator door? Or turn the water down, or, or hey, you're taking too long a shower, or those kind of things. That's where sustainability starts in an organization. In my mind, is you know, are you recycling? Are you using too much water? Are you using too much electricity? It's it's. I hate to use this term because it's been abused, but it stopped the stupid. You know, I remember my dad whacking me on the back of the head and saying, "Close that refrigerator door," you know, or "Close the door. You're letting the heat out." You know, I felt pretty stupid and, but it, it relates right to the businesses. How, how many businesses don't even do those things? And instead they're chasing, they're chasing the, you know, the shiny rabbits of wind power and solar power and those kind of things. That's next. After you stop the stupid, then you start innovating and innovation costs money. So then you have to again refer to, uh, how do we move forward with excellence? We got to test things. We got to. We got to make sure we understand things before we spend too much money on them. But integrity again moves right into things like sustainability. Um, 
But back to your, your key point, probably the biggest thing you can adopt as a leader is some humility. And that's not always easy. I do remember Lee Scott again telling me one time, he said, you know what I did this weekend? He said, I had to take the trash out, clean the trash cans. And then I had to clean all our toilets. And this is the CEO of Walmart, right? But he, but his message he was sending is, you know, you got to stay humble in this business. I may be the CEO of the, the largest company in the world. I still got to clean toilets and, and I got to do this and that. And, it, and he said, and, and my wife asked me to stop the grocery store and get, get a gallon of milk. You know, he said, you got to keep yourself humble, uh, as an executive leader or it'll, it'll all get away from you. And that's something that's deeply personal, I think. Um, and deeply, um, I guess I would say rigorous from your own personal, um, your personal standards and your personal behaviors. But humility is something you've got to keep in your mind as you move into the office every day. No, that is so good. I was thinking of so many examples. There's two that come to mind when you were talking about being innovative and testing and learning. And you know the term that I think you would prefer it gets outlawed, world class. <laughs> and you used to say, it's an expensive way of doing nothing. <laughs> and that always stuck with me because I think what we're learning from this conversation uh, with Tim, at least I am, is that everybody wants to be a leader. Everyone wants the allure, but they don't really want to do the work. And to do the work, you have to do it together. You have to invert the or chart where you're serving your leadership, your leaders or your associates from the bottom up and you're doing it together. That's absolutely right. Um, I'll never, ever forget that. And then the other thing, which I think is important, and I hope you all can hear the adoration that I have for him, but he taught me a lot. And I remember um, there was a leader who was asking me some personal information about Tim. Now, I knew the information, but I was never going to share it with her. And then when my leader found out that I had a secondary conversation, I remember Tim telling me that um, he shared with her. Well, Audra's never going to lie to me. Like if I ask her a question, she's going to tell me the truth. And that's what you want with your leader, where it's just so open. It's unassuming. There aren't any games being played. But he knew that I would never lie to him because I didn't have any fear. And yeah, he may have slapped my hand a couple of times, but it was in my best interest. And I knew that he had my back. So when he told me, listen, if someone asks a question, don't you answer it because you don't have anything to say. <laughs> so I had to sit there and smile like, okay, but I am the head of HR here. You don't have anything to say yet. And um, this leads me into another question. So many people get tied to their performance ratings, whether it's a three, four or five, depending on the scale. And I remember one time I received a three and I was devastated because I thought I was really doing it. And when I complained to you, you was like, Audra, the associates or your team or the leaders tell you what you are. You don't tell the organization what you are. And a three is you're doing your job. And so many people get sideways when they get the what's perceived as average or mediocre and trying to kind of settle that a little bit. So can you talk a little bit about just how people could get on the other side of that? I think the the... 
the leader who's evaluating someone um, bears huge responsibility for that um, because it, if if the rating scheme is a three is you're doing your job and then a four is uh, above and beyond or or if you have a five on top of that that ends up being you know exceptional ready for promotion um, again I I think the leader has to have a framework in their mind so they can explain that to an associate you're doing your job you're doing it really well it's a three um you're doing your job you're doing it really well and you're doing this and i think that shows uh you you have the skill for the next job now you start moving into the fours and fives and that's hard uh in an inflationary environment in terms of evaluations um to hold the line on in an organization and um you know you have you have the the leader down the down the hall who's giving everybody fives and that you're trying to be honest and develop people uh you're giving threes and i think one big thing is is to make sure you have those discussions way ahead of the evaluation make sure the the person's walking into that evaluation knowing that they're doing a good job they're at a three or they're they're coming in the evaluation knowing that in these areas they're operating a level up and uh and so the evaluation is not a surprise to them, but it ends up being a um, a conversation that you've already probably had a couple of times with the with the associate. So, um, but I I do think again it comes back to integrity and your desire to improve the organization and and develop people. Um, if you want to be dishonest and tell everybody they're fives, the next boss that comes in going to tell them they're a two or a three, and what have you done? You, you've done nothing for their development um, or the company. So, um, so I, I think that that whole, that whole mindset of how do I articulate to this, this junior leader or this fellow leader that I'm evaluating, where do they stand and uh, what do they need to do to move up? Do you miss it at all, Tim? Do you miss evaluating people day to day, (laughs) running the business, teaching I love helping people. I love, I love helping people and developing people, um, and kind of giving them different perspectives on themselves because we tend to, again, humility is not something we tend to cling to naturally. Uh, we need a little help with that. And, uh, and then, then we flourish, you know, when we can, when we can get honest feedback that helps us get better in different areas, then we, then we get better. And I, I, I really believe that leadership was not just about um, the workplace. I, I think I think it makes you a better person. It makes you a better citizen. It makes you a better father, you know, husband, wife, da- daughter, son, brother, sister. I think I think developing these these things and in people, integrity and humility and and uh, and a perspective on themselves that says I can be better um, makes people better outside of work. And and to me, that's that's the the beauty of leadership. So yeah, I, I do miss that, but I'm doing a lot of that these days with my <laughs> grandkids. <laughs> that's right. You're raising up the next generation of leaders. That's right. <laughs> with him, first of all, thank you so much. It's clear that we could talk almost forever, um, but your wisdom and the lessons you've shared today are just priceless. And I just want to express my deepest gratitude for you being here and your way unwavering support and mentorship. So before we conclude, is there any final message or advice 
you would like to leave our audience, especially those emerging leaders who are aspiring to get to the top? Yeah, I I would say this that if you if you get to the top the wrong way, I don't think you'll enjoy it. If you get to the top the right way, um, you will have developed. Um, you would have you will have built great relationship with people and you will have made the organization better in the long run. Um, so just remember that I, I always tell people ask before you tell and direct, listen, research, learn before you direct. Um, and believe me, your performance will be much better than if you in your arrogance think you could do it all on your own. Well, awesome. Well, thanks for joining. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. If you found any value in this discussion today or anything resonated, please go on to your platform of choice as it relates to where you listen to your podcast, like, share, subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Mastering Executive Leadership with Audra Christie please visit us at www.mindsetchangecoaching.com for more valuable resources to help you lead with purpose and impact.